Hey there, this is Kelsey Miller, your host. Welcome back to episode 12 on the Smart Bells Fitness Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about everything related to protein for pregnant and postpartum women. And there's so much to talk about here. What we're really going to dive into is safe foods that you can eat while you're pregnant, how much protein you should be having. We'll talk about the differences between animal proteins and plant proteins and complete and incomplete and how that digests in your body. We'll also talk about amino acids, different types of whey protein and more. So if you've ever had questions about what's safe to eat while you're pregnant, how do you know if you're eating enough protein while you're pregnant? What are easy, quick ways to do that during pregnancy and just learning more about protein as a whole, then you're in the right spot. Let's go ahead and dive in. Hey mama, welcome to the Smart Bells Fitness Podcast, where you can learn how to stay fit, healthy, and feel good during and after pregnancy. I'm your host, Kelsey Lee Miller. I'm a certified pre and postnatal coach, and I believe as moms, we show up as our best when we prioritize caring for our bodies. When you're equipped with the right tools, you can show up confidently in your workouts, in the kitchen, and also in life. If you're here for that reheated coffee and those nap time workouts, you are in the right spot. It's time to prioritize your own health so that you can feel good in your skin again. Let's get excited for today's show. Let's go ahead and unpack this idea of amino acids in your body and explain what that means, how that is related to protein and how that affects you as a pregnant woman or postpartum woman when it comes to how much you should be eating. Okay. So when we're talking about high level amino acids, basically what that means is they are these building blocks that make up all the proteins in the human body. And when you think about that, what most people don't actually realize is that that's making up about 50% of our solid body mass. So after water, which makes up about two thirds of your body, amino acids are actually a huge deal. And they're important for you as a pregnant and postpartum woman because they're involved in things like muscle protein synthesis. So muscle building and maintaining the muscle that you have. They're involved in neurotransmitter regulation, which is basically talking about how signals are sent from cell to cell. So there's that piece. They also help regulate your immune system's ability to function. They're involved in producing energy or ATP, which is adenosine triphosphate at the cellular level. That's what is basically being used for energy as you're lifting weights. And they also allow the absorption of nutrients. So if you listen to my podcast on macronutrients, you will be familiar with this already, but there are 20 amino acids and basically they're responsible for making all the proteins in the human body. Nine are essential. And what that means is your body cannot make them. You have to eat them and consume them from food. So all the other ones are not essential. So those are obviously called non-essential amino acids. The nine that are essential, you have to get from protein that you eat. And what's cool is that when you're focusing on getting these nine, these are what make up complete proteins. So we're going to kind of transition here into talking about animal and plant-based proteins. 
So we've, we've covered the basics of amino acids and why they're important, but plant-based versus animal-based proteins. When it comes to getting complete proteins, animal-based are the best option. When you eat a complete protein, the reason why that is good is because your body has developed to want all nine of those together. And when it gets all nine together, it's able to process them and synthesize them And it's able to stimulate all of those things that we just talked about, like muscle protein synthesis and immunity and things like that. So if you only get some of them, which typically happens when you're eating plant-based sources, like let's say you're just getting four of the nine or five of the nine, then there's going to be basic core functions in your body that are not going to work the way that they should. And that's going to start to break down and you're probably going to experience a variety of not fun side effects. Several of those might be brain fog or having really crazy mood swings or, I mean, we talked about how it affects neurotransmitters, but the amino acids that are precursors for amino acids that are actually neurotransmitters in your brain. So what basically what I'm trying to say is when you don't get all nine of them, you're putting yourself at higher risk for having things like not good sleep quality and brain fog. And as a mom and as a pregnant woman, those are things that you're already going to struggle with because you're growing a baby. They're going to be kicking you. You're going to be more fatigued than normal. So it's really important to make sure that when you're consuming protein, that you're paying attention to the type and the quality. And you it's not that you can't get complete with animal sources. It's just that you have to eat significantly more calories in order to get the complete proteins. And for most of you, that might be challenging to do. Okay. So when it comes to sleep and the ability to perform at your job, the ability to think well and not have brain fog and the ability to perform well in your workouts and sleep well. All of these things are directly connected to having all of the essential amino acids that are found in complete proteins. So this is why I'm going to encourage you to find high quality animal protein sources to consume, especially while you're pregnant. And when I say high quality, what I mean by that is you're not running through in and out or Chick-fil-A and getting food or meat that's like processed with additives and hormones and other artificial ingredients. But you're talking about buying protein sources that have paid attention to where and how the animal was cared for and what it ate before you consume it. So things like grass-fed beef, we're talking about free-range chicken and eggs, Cage-free is not actually the same thing as free-range. So if you buy cage-free, all that means is that cage-free hens or chickens basically do not have outdoor access. So if it's free-range, that means it's getting to wander around outside, eat the grass and the bugs and whatever else it's going to eat. If it's cage-free, that just means it has a certain amount of space but it's not necessarily better as far as what they're eating before you eat their eggs or the actual chicken breast. So just make a note of that. 
Another thing to be aware of when it comes to protein is if you're going to eat fish, which you can totally eat while you're pregnant, you just have to make sure that you're paying attention to where it's sourced from. And you also don't want fish that has a lot of mercury in it. You should have fish that has a lot of omega-3s in it. So wild caught fish, basically larger fish or bottom feeders, avoid those when you're pregnant. And we'll actually dive into that right now and talk about, there's a list of like 10 different protein sources that you should avoid while you're pregnant. So we'll go ahead and dive into that right now. So there's a few things to be considered. I have looked at a few different peer-reviewed studies on this and... The conclusions are similar. So there's a few off-limit foods that you need to be aware of as far as pregnancy for several reasons. So we'll talk about that first. And you can also find this in the show notes as well. So if you want to take notes, this would be a good time to get out a pen. But there's 10 main foods that you want to avoid when it comes to protein sources while you're pregnant. The first one is raw eggs. And that's really just related to the risk of salmonella. And salmonella is one of the most common causes of foodborne illness and typically causes basic stomach flu-like symptoms like diarrhea, nausea, vomiting. So it's not a fun thing and it's definitely worth it to avoid. The second one is raw shellfish. And this can also cause salmonella or toxoplasmosis, which is harmful as well, but it's totally avoidable. And basically in the context of pregnancy, what we're talking about with this is it's caused by a parasite, Toxoplasma gondii, And this parasite is also the reason why you may have heard that pregnant women are told to not clean the cat litter box, which seems totally random, but you're likely to get this from raw meat or unwashed veggies more than you are from cat litter, <laughs> but it is also found in cat poop. So it's, it's a good thing to avoid. Raw fish can also cause salmonella. That's the third one. The fourth one is unwashed fruits and veggies. And you just need to be careful with this one. Like I just said, that can cause toxoplasmosis. If your fetus becomes infected with that parasite, it can develop something called congenital toxoplasmosis. And there's some not good side effects that go along with that, such as blindness, epilepsy, and mental retardation. So this one, it's not hard to avoid toxoplasmosis. Wash your fruits and veggies. The fifth one to avoid is deli meats. This could cause listeria, as well as the sixth one, which is raw or unpasteurized milk. Seven and eight can also cause mysteria, which are smoked fish and pate. And basically, listeria starts as like a standard stomach flu-like symptom, but it can cause chills and muscle aches, and it can cause miscarriage, preterm birth, stillbirth. That happens between 10 to 50% of pregnant women who are infected with listeria. So it's just a good thing to avoid. I mean, these things are fairly easy to avoid if you're aware of them. But if you're not and you eat them, obviously we don't want those bad things to happen. So the ninth thing to avoid would be rare or raw meat. That can cause salmonella, toxoplasmosis, E. coli. 
And the 10th thing to avoid is just that raw milk, soft cheese that also can cause listeria. So those are the top 10 things that you want to avoid when it comes to protein sources. And most of those are fairly easy to avoid if you're aware of them. One thing that you definitely don't need to avoid is fish. What you want to be aware of when it comes to fish is that mercury, which is found in larger fish, such as king mackerel, grouper, canned tuna, orange ruffy, things like that tend to have high amounts of mercury and also lower amounts of omega-3s, which is what you want to get from fish. So the takeaway here is that you can eat fish, avoid fish that's high in mercury, and try to stick to fish that has higher amounts of omega-3 fatty acids, such as salmon. Like that's a great option. Herring, sardines. I will be honest here, I never ate sardines when I was pregnant. That just sounds disgusting to me, but I fully support you if you want to try that. They do have omega-3s in them. Cod is another one that is good. So there are certain fish items that you should probably avoid when you're pregnant. Basically the takeaway, omega-3s are good for your baby, mercury is not. So the best bet is to try to find fish that has lots of omega-3s and not a lot of mercury. Typically the fish that have the highest amounts of mercury are the larger ones that are eating the smaller ones because they have more fish inside them. So they have more mercury that is absorbed from the little fish that they eat. So that also applies to shark, but I don't think most of my listeners are out there eating sharks. So just be aware of that. <laughs> Those are the top 10 things to avoid when it comes to protein sources for pregnant women. Okay, so now that we've kind of covered some of the foods you can have or might want to avoid, what I want to dive into now is how much you really need. And I think this is going to surprise you because there's a difference that you need to know between adequate protein intake and optimal protein intake. So adequate intake is basically just the amount that you need to function every day. Optimal is the amount that active women need, which if you're listening to this show, I know that you are. So that's for you. We're going to talk about the amount that active women need to recover from exercise and maintain or even improve the lean muscle mass that you already have while continually keeping your blood sugar stable and feeling full and satisfied. So adequate, which is just the amount that you need to function every day is around 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram of how much you weigh. So if you're a 150 pound woman, that's about 55 grams per day. So you need significantly more than that. And optimal protein intake for women who strength train, which is most of my listeners, for you, Recent research has shown that even having upwards of 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight. So you can do that math pretty simply. To find that range for yourself, basically you're going to take your weight and divide by 2.2 because there's 2.2 pounds per kilogram. So let's just say you weigh 150 pounds. 150 divided by 2.2 is around 68 grams 
or kilograms, I'm sorry. It's 68 kilograms if you weigh 150 pounds. So if we're talking about 1.2 to 1.6 grams per kilogram, 68 times 1.2 is 81.6 grams. 68 times 1.6 is 108 grams. So that's a pretty high amount of protein every single day. So 86 to 108 grams of protein per day if you weigh 150 pounds or that 68 kgs that we just did that conversion for. So what's really interesting is that as you go through the gestation, the phases of gestation, the phases of your pregnancy go from trimester to trimester, that need continues to increase. So maybe you are having 1.2 grams per kilogram at the beginning, but then you progressively increase from trimester to trimester. And on average, it's completely normal for women who are in a normal weight range to gain 25 to 35 pounds during your pregnancy. And I always like to recommend to pregnant women to try and have a high quality protein every time you eat a meal or snack. And that's important not only to keep yourself full and satisfied and to help your blood sugar stay stabilized and not have all these ups and downs throughout the day, which is going to cause you to feel kind of moody. But it's really important to make sure that you do that so that you can help all those processes occur that we talked about at the beginning. And when you're pregnant, you actually don't need any extra calories during the first trimester. I'm sure you've heard people say, oh, you're eating for two, which is, you know, just kind of a cutesy way of people maybe being encouraging to you about how hungry you might get. But in the second trimester, you will need around 350 extra calories. In the third, you're going to need 450. And then when you're postpartum, if you are breastfeeding, it's it's between like three and 500 extra per day. So it's definitely something that goes up. And if you can fill some of that up with protein, that just means that you're going to be able to maintain your weight better as it's increasing progressively throughout your pregnancy and just maintain that in a healthy way. And also just make sure that you're getting everything you need so that you can stay full and grow your baby the best you can. Okay. So now that we've talked about the amount of protein that you should be having, we've kind of broken down the amino acids. We've talked about foods that you can eat and should avoid. We're going to just dive into the idea of supplementing with some type of protein. So if you are trying to reach these numbers, I mean, 86 to around 108 grams per day, let's just say you're going for somewhere in between, okay? Let's say you're going for 100 grams per day. And you might want to start doing this when you're pregnant. And even when you're postpartum, You might not be able to eat as much during one sitting, and that's for several reasons. So the first reason that that happens is because when you're pregnant, eating more frequently every three to four hours or so can help, especially if you're having nausea or vomiting, especially in that first trimester, just to have continual food in your stomach so that you don't get those blood sugar dips, which can be associated with increased nausea. And 
The other reason is because as your belly is growing, you're going to physically run out of room to store food in your stomach. So it's a good idea to start trying to eat more frequently. And there's not like a hard and fast rule on how many meals you have to have per day, but it has been shown that a lot of women find that that is helpful. So that's something you can try. But anyway, if you're trying to get that higher amount of protein, it can be challenging to do. So one thing that I do that I did when I was pregnant that I do currently as a postpartum mom that you could consider trying is using a supplement. And this is exactly what it sounds like. It's meant to supplement the whole foods that you're already eating. So if you're only having protein shakes all day long, there's a problem there. But they are helpful when you're trying to meet a certain protein requirement and it's higher than you're used to. So let's talk about whey protein because when it comes down to it, if you don't have a milk allergy or if you don't have a problem having animal protein, whey is superior when it comes to aiding in muscle protein synthesis. So that's the one that I tend to recommend first. There's three different types of whey, and I want you to be aware of all three of them because this might be helpful for you if you do have a little bit of a lactose allergy or sensitivity. So whey concentrate, whey isolate, and then whey hydrosylate. So whey concentrate is, this is the simplest form. It's what's naturally existing in the dairy product, and it does have fat and carbs and lactose in there. It's about 80% protein and it definitely tastes better probably because it's got the fat and the carbs in there. But if you don't have like a lactose intolerance, this is probably a great option for you, especially as you're going through that second, third and fourth trimester or that postpartum phase where you do need those extra calories. This is a really easy way to get that. You can also mix it with frozen fruit, frozen. I like to freeze spinach and put in nuts and seeds and, you know, things like that. And you can really end up having like a high calorie shake if that's what you want. If you want it to to make it a meal and have carbs, protein, and fat all inside there, you can totally do that. So weight, that's weight concentrate. Weight isolate is processed more to basically separate the fat and the carbs from the actual whey protein. It also is able to remove some of the lactose out of there. So if you do have a lactose allergy or it's an irritant, that's a really common food irritant for a lot of people, this might be a better option. Disclaimer, it doesn't taste as good because it's not as smooth. It doesn't have all the fats and carbs in there. So just something to be aware of. It's It does have higher amounts of protein though. It's about 90% as compared to the whey concentrate, which is about 80%. This might be relevant when you're postpartum, if you choose to breastfeed or not, and you are pursuing weight loss This might be a better option because you're getting the same amount of protein with and netting less calories because it doesn't have the fat and the carbohydrates in there. So both options can be good for different things. If you're trying to get more calories and you don't have that allergy, go with the concentrate. If you're trying to get less calories and you just are concerned with the protein, 
Maybe you do have the allergy, I'd recommend the isolate. It does not taste as good, so you might want to doctor it up with some other things, but just be sure to watch how much you add into that, depending on how much you want, how many calories you want. So the third type, the whey protein hydrosylate, this is gross. I personally think it's way overpriced. It's got a really high percentage of protein, like close to 99, I believe. So yes, it's an option, but it's not one that I would recommend. I'd probably recommend either the concentrate or the isolate for you as a pregnant or postpartum woman. It's just something to be aware of. There are options like that. And if, if you can, that is what I'd recommend for protein. As far as other options that are easy to eat, one thing that I have implemented myself is this idea of batch cooking. And batch cooking is basically when you double or triple the amount of food that you're making in a given kitchen session to make sure that you have extra so that you can make different types of meals with it. So for example, if I'm making a grass-fed ground beef or bison or chicken or pork or whatever the meat source might be, I'll typically make more of it than I need for just one or two meals so that I can flavor it with different sauces or put it on a salad And then it's already ready in the fridge and it's ready to go. And that's honestly the hardest part that I think you're going to experience postpartum is having things ready because a lot of your time is going to be taken up with caring for a little baby that is requiring your services like 24-7. So it's important to think through these things when you're pregnant and maybe even start practicing them so that you can get better at just making that food quickly. It's also a good idea to like one thing that I will do is have snacks that have protein in them. So you can, like I said, you can get it from plants. Just be aware that that shouldn't be the primary way that you're getting it because it, it won't be complete unless you are very strategic in how you combine plant proteins together, and then you end up eating quite a few more calories to get those complete proteins. So you could have things like hummus and tahini or, you know, beans and rice and things like that, that will have protein in them. But other things that you can do are, you know, just being creative with the sources that you have on hand. So like, I enjoy those perfect bars Now that is a plant source, but it's also easy for me to grab and has good fats in it as well. So I like to have those in the fridge. It's like a little calorie boost. You can also, I really like Trader Joe's. They have these grass-fed beef sticks and you can keep those in your pantry. Just grab one. They've got like eight grams of protein in them and have that with a handful of nuts. Like that's a really high calorie, good snack that's gonna hold you over for a little bit. So whenever you can try to get protein in whenever you're eating throughout the day, when you're pregnant and postpartum, when you're postpartum, you can supplement with some of those foods that you couldn't have when you were pregnant, like the deli meats, which for me has been a lifesaver because it's it's not something you have to cook. You know, it's easy to keep in the fridge, like ham or turkey or something like that. And you can just grab it and eat it. So 
There's lots of ways to be strategic with how you actually meet these protein goals. And I hope that you got some good ideas on this podcast and that you can take this through your pregnancy journey and postpartum journey and start implementing these tips to get more protein in your diet. Hey mama, thanks for tuning in today. Really quick before you go, if this podcast has blessed you in some way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a written review over on Apple Podcasts. I get really excited every time I see that this show has positively impacted your life in some way. If you would do that for me, I would be so grateful. The second thing you can do is just tell another mama you think could benefit from listening to the Smart Bells Fitness Podcast. That's it for now. I'll see you back here soon.